I'm talking about I'm talking about taking a break now. I'm, I'm stretching it out. We usually get such good stops, and and now I'm yeah. Oh now, the, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. all in the editing anyway. Yeah. So well, yeah, no. you could make you could make the Gonzo move of intentionally not editing this out, even though you're editing the podcast just to fuck with me. It would be really wild if I just started the whole podcast with this conversation. Yes, this would be this would be a hell of a starting point. Yeah, uh, boy, all the all the thousands, tens of thousands of people coming over from the Metafilter <laughs> podcast now discovering us for the first time. This yes. can be your introduction. Yes, indeed. All right. Okay, I'm going to get some scotch. All right. All right let's start the show. Okay, good. <laughs> crap shoot. Na, 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 crap shoot. Na, na. Na, crap shoot. This is uh this is the Follow Your Heart episode thirty seven of the Crapshoot and uh, I am Josh Millard. I'm Jesse Holden. Hi. Hi. We haven't podcasted together in almost two days. Yeah, no, it's been it's been a while. Uh, yeah, Jesse was just on uh, the Metafilter Best of the Web monthly podcast. Uh, and was, it was it was really great fun. I really slept like shit the night before, <laughs> and I was like, I don't even know if I'm going to stay awake. I was really worried that I was going to totally torpedo the episode, like sincerely worried that I was uh, too frazzled and frayed around the edges. Uh, and it turned out I wasn't the most irritating part of the episode. <laughs> Practically there a, guaranteed. There was there was a there was some mic bleed. It turns out, and so it's it's really interesting whenever that happens. Uh, like with a Metafilter podcast, there's there's a mix of people who listen to it and really don't like have any persnickety give a shit about audio stuff. Like if they can literally hear us, they're happy. And and I I appreciate those people. And then there's people who have some sort of like audio engineering bent who are like, well, the, what's going on with the the panning or the, the levels are kind of weird on this or, hey, I heard some, you know, mic popping and. Uh, or say, hey, there's a constant echo effect the entire two-hour episode. Because uh, what happened was we were sort of jerry-rigging. Guess which category I fall into. Yeah. If, are you a crapshoot listener? You might be able to guess which category I fall into. There was a there was a there was a rapidly jerry-rigged pair of headsets to make it possible for one of the folks on the podcast to uh, participate. Uh, we ran into some sort of technical issues. And he came up with a way to resolve it, but that way ended up leading to a little bit of bleed coming through his headphones into his mic. And so there was like everybody else on a Skype call coming through again, like, you know, 200 milliseconds later, um, which... And nobody's fault, really. Yeah, like yeah, it's no. not it's not a to cast cast blame or anything. But, yeah, we um, didn't notice it during the recording. So right. Um, the other things bled through though, like when someone on the podcast would paste a link into the chat of Skype, and it would go bloop. I forgot to tell everybody to mute their. But I really actually liked that. I, I liked how it kind of added some tempo because it's like someone would be suggesting or someone would be saying like, so then there's this link where bloop. This happens, and it actually kind of punctuated no, the ki- things. It's kind of I really nice. liked it. Like okay. I think well, if if you could keep that and take the other bleed out, um, that's interesting. That's actually kind of stylistically yeah, I, a fun I, thing. I could, in theory, have gone through and taken all the bleed out by like hand cutting between every time Jim spoke, but uh, we know we know who I am. Yes, we know. I'm who not the person who does it. I did that once for a podcast, uh, and it was it was so tedious. Matt used to do that a little bit. Really, uh, I think he had the patience to sit and spend two hours just cleaning up a file. Uh, but, uh, right. You have rocket league to play. Yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> I seriously was thinking, well, you know, we could record a podcast or I could just play a couple more hours of rocket league. <laughs> Fuck it. But this seems no, like, the, I, uh, I didn't think it came out that bad. I don't know. I, no, no, I, think was, it, I listened to it twice. So like yeah. how bad could it possibly be? No, I think, I think it was fine. It's one of those things that like is noticeable and distracting if you're, concentrate on noticing it but otherwise it's just you know it's slightly bodgy audio and let me tell you um i listen to it kind of a mixture of things like i'll put it on the speakers when i'm walking around or i'll put it in my headphones when i'm uh 
you know, I don't know, whatever. And in headphones, it's really distracting. On a speaker, it's not as much. Yeah. And I guess it's because you kind of just like your brain is better at compensating and pretending it's just the echo of the room you're listening to it in. Yeah, I think that's part of it. I think part of it is just like, you know, headphones are going to expose a lot more detail and audio in yeah. general. Sure. Like, I mean, and that's the thing We're I'm, I mix the podcast. It used to be I sort of mixed it sort of like for a good audio experience. You know, I tried to keep a nice balance on compression where there was enough to help avoid quiet parts totally dropping out, but not so much that things got crushed and it brought up background noise. And, you know, the consistent thing people said was not, I really love the audio engineering. It's just like, oh, but it's kind of hard to hear you guys in the car. And so at some point I was like, you know what? I'm just going to start smashing it. I'm just going to like compress the fuck out of everything. Yeah, I had that moment too. Yeah, and like, you know, the audio quality goes down and you feel dirty inside if you have a stake on the right side of the loudness roars. But at the same time, if someone's listened to it, in their car, they can fucking hear everybody say anything, and it's a podcast. Hearing everybody say things is kind of the important thing. Right, right. It's, um, you, uh, with music, you know, you can get the gestalt of something that's not entirely there, or it's kind of made in between. And, uh, for with podcasts, it's, you're talking about words, and if words drop out because of the fluctuations of someone's speaking volume, um, but anyways, before you, uh, open that beer and tuck into it, I have something to alert you to. Yes. I, I, I alerted myself <laughs> right after I tucked into it. Uh, we're drinking. And, uh, don't, don't, you don't have to do anything yet, but, um, so as usual, I, I showed up with a six pack, but I'm not drinking, uh, in January. And so I decided to try and get, uh, do a f- crapshoot first. And bring a non-alcoholic beer on the it's show. It's like it's like making up for the juice episode. Yeah, all that time ago. <laughs> it's finally it's the antidote has yeah. finally arrived. Um, and I suspect by the fact that you kind of just dove right into it, you didn't realize. I didn't. No, it was let, gonna let, be a non-alcoholic. Let, let me tell you, beer. I didn't realize it was gonna be non-alcoholic. And I took a drink, mm-hmm. and I didn't go like, "What is this?" <laughs> I actually went, oh, "Okay, well, this is just." I was thinking, you know, I'm kind of in a thirsty for a beer mood, so like mm-hmm. a lighter, straightforward beer is nice. And so I was like, yeah, I was like, okay, well, what are we drinking? Oh, it's Beck's non-alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Not like, what is this? So, <laughs> so hey, well done, non-alcoholic beer. It still tastes like, you know, a, a light. Uh, have you ever had a non-alcoholic beer before? Uh, not in a long time. I'm I sure have I've had never a in my life. Had, but. Never once. Um, when Do you remember when you did? No, nothing specific. Okay. It's, um, I, this is going to be a new experience for me. But um, it, I, I just, it's such a tradition. How could we not? Have yeah, a beer. No, I, 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 that's clever thinking. Um, took two stops to find a place that had non-alcoholic <laughs> beer at all, including, you know, the first stop at a gas station that had quite a few beers to choose from. And uh, the woman behind the counter kind of laughed at me when I told her I couldn't find <laughs> the NA section. She's like, yeah, that section is in Fred Meyer across the street. So off I went. Yep. Um, Fred Meyer has 300 kinds of beer 200 maybe something like that and um four of them well, are that, na that's a selection two right there. of them are not in stock <laughs> oh geez what was it like this and oduls it was this and oduls exactly um the two that were not in stock was coors na which be curious and um it started with a k caliber Maybe. Yeah. Sure. I don't know. It's anyways, that's another one just based on yeah. stickers. Cause I was curious. I mean, I don't know. I don't peruse the NA yeah. section of the, yeah. Like I'm, I'm aware of a duels as I think the dominant non-alcoholic brand. That was advertised on TV in the nineties. So yeah. that's like the one I know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, it's what beer drinkers drink when they're not drinking beer. Oh, duels. It's a, it's a solid, uh, solid, uh, it is. That's a structure there. That's yeah. a, that's, that's Don, that, like Don Draperian. Yeah. Uh, um, 
So uh, anyways, I went with the Bex and um, I don't know. It's, it, oh, the, what I really enjoyed though is it's it's in the far end, furthest from the door, tucked in the furthest corner of the you know cooler aisle, and there's just four little beers sitting next to each other in this entire giant vast expanse. But you know that they organize them like strategically so similar beers are nearby to one another, right? <laughs> like all the micro brews and all the dark ones and all the, you know, flavor infusion ones. Yeah. They're, they're all going to be grouped together. So I'm like, what's next to NA? <laughs> right? <laughs> what's the closest kind of uh, uh, nearest circle on a Venn diagram to NA? And um, I, I'm here to tell you it's uh, Olympia, Natural Ice, and uh, past blue ribbon. Those were those were the surrounding that, beers. That that sounds about right. Well, it's, see, the thing is, I think I think at our Freddy's up here, uh, we're on we're on first name basis. Us and Fred Meyer, so you know we just yeah. call it Freddy's. Sure, it's, sure. Uh, it's an intimate relationship we have. Uh, our uh, our Freddy's has it down at basically the far end of the beer aisle, mm-hmm. which seems like a good solution because then it only has to be near one thing. Uh, and yeah, it's like it's it's the non-alcoholic beer. And then the most mainstream stuff, like your your Bud and your Coors and Natty. Well, it's just and, the things so that are the, the closest to water, basically. Exactly. Yeah. You know, it's the the non-alcoholic beer is near the near beer. Mm-hmm. It makes perfect sense. Um, and yeah, and then it sort of gets into semi-craft and then craft stuff and then imports and mm-hmm. and yes. Well, here I go. The first sip of my life of a non-alcoholic beer with Beck's non-alcoholic. The Chaim. Not great. <laughs> no, it's not. But you know, it's 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 kind of like I, if I only drank one and you didn't tell me, I probably wouldn't realize there was oh, nothing going on. I would just think, oh, this is not a very good sort of like it's a plain, malty-ish, you know, macro yeah. brew sort of situation. Maybe that speaks to me not having a well-developed enough tongue for, for uh, like you know, macro brews. But uh, I tend to drink them and be like. Oh, it tastes like uh, it tastes like a macro brew. Huh. I mean, Budweiser and Coors taste a little different. Yeah, Bud, I think is still like it's sort of like a rice based. Right, Bud Bud's beer, kind so of got a, a little weird outlier. Of, yeah, um, yeah, Budweiser tastes awful to me. Um, because I'm so fancy that that Budweiser is <laughs> not good enough for me. Right, I you know what? Know. I also hate America. <laughs> it's not, it's not even the taste with Budweiser. It's just that it's ultra carbonated. It's like literally like feels like pouring pop rocks on my tongue. It like hurts to drink Budweiser. Well, you want to drink it when it's really cold and you're real thirsty. I, yeah. Even then, it's still like just like yeah. firing off in my mouth with all this carb. Anyways, I guess um, I'm not particularly. Yeah, I that. could probably blind taste test uh, Coors, Keystone, Natural Ice, Pabst, uh, Budweiser. Um, I've always had trouble with Miller and Coors. They're kind of close, but no, I could still do it. I think. Yeah, I feel like I could pretty well, pretty well cut those, set those apart. We could maybe, we, maybe next episode. Maybe when I when I get back uh, on yeah. the fall back off the wagon. Yeah. With what, maybe when I interact with the wagon in some different yes. way than I currently am. After you fuck the wagon. After I fuck the wagon. We'll we'll uh, ride the dragon. Fuck the wagon. After I fuck the wagon, the Jesse Holden story. <laughs> uh... <laughs> Well, other than that, other than this, this not very good yeah, beer that I'm know. totally getting buzzed off. It's a little bit like uh, orange peely. Yeah, there's and like water. a little, there's like a little citrus note in there, and it's just not. It's not. I mean, it's kind of the opposite problem I was just complaining about with Budweiser, where it doesn't. It hardly feels carbonated. You know what it makes me think of is no I guess it's making it at all. it's making me think of like uh, Corona with a little bit of lime in there. Like that, there's that citrusy thing, and otherwise it's a very plain sort of beer thing. It feels like you dipped a sock in Corona and then strung, wrung it maybe, out into a glass. Maybe. 
again, I was I was I, I was actually kind of thirsty when I started. Okay. So now I'm getting yeah. to the point where I'm more like thinking about this beer as I I move to the bottom third of it. Well, it's a worthwhile experiment. So maybe I, I, I mean be, I think I don't know. Maybe I can get myself a a good psychosomatic buzz mm-hmm. going on. But how are you? I'm pretty good. I, we, we, um, we, we, we talked two days ago, like we just said, but we yeah. like we didn't really have a podcast conversation like we normally do. Sure. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's 2016. Here we go. That's the start you, of the new year. Have you actually written any physical checks yet? Because I feel like I feel like that's the thing. Like the, the joke used to be, oh, <laughs> well, you're going to spend the next you know two months writing the previous year on your checks. Right. And then but, there's all the snow clones of that joke. Yeah. Yeah. But now it's like, uh, oh, yeah, I'm going to spend the next two months doing everything with digital communication. Right. Know? No, I mean, I haven't. I literally haven't written a check in years. Yeah. I, I My bank doesn't even give me checks. Interesting. I mean, not super interesting. It's pretty boring. Fuck yeah, you. I, um, I may have finally migrated all of my stuff over to either auto pay or some sort of online payment. Mm-hmm. So maybe I don't need to write a check again until some super weird situation comes along. Sure. My rent is a check, but what I would do is my bank can send the check. Like I just set up a scheduled yeah. thing and then the bank cuts yeah, it like and puts online it in the mail for me. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, my, I mean, now Whitney, my partner just does the check yeah. thing. It's just a little, we have a little more direct control. If we're running late on the rent, we can mail it at a higher speed and get yeah. it there in time and instead of having no control over that. So I, that do, part's I do the mortgage uh, payment that was one of the few things that was still a check for a long time. Cause I was like, you know, every once in a while it might be the timing makes sense to like send it like on the third sure, instead of the sure. 29th or whatever. Um, cause there's like a 15 day grace period on it. So uh, sure. there's a lot of wiggle there. Uh, but now it's online, but I can do the same thing. I just, I like the one thing I haven't set to auto pay. Cause that's the one thing that like is really going to make, you know, a check bounce or a transfer, whatever. Right, you have if, to have control over the one so yeah. it doesn't throw everything else exactly. into disarray. You know, that's a big enough chunk. Yeah, that, I know. mean, since my company got bought, we went from getting paid twice a month to getting paid once every two weeks. So it's offset a little bit from the month. Oh, okay. Like throughout the year, it yeah. drifts a little yeah. bit during, you know, like, to where the like check... Like Tokyo drifts. Yeah, Tokyo drifts across the baseboard. What the hell am I saying? No, I think you nailed it. Okay, perfect. <laughs> that was a 360 slam dunk into the end zone. Uh, so yeah, it's a little bit, it's a little bit harder to plan your months because bills don't come every two weeks. They come at the same time every month. So you kind of have to work with yeah. that bloody, bloody blah. Um, I don't like it as much, but you get paid a little bit more often. So it should be better if your money See, management I, was perfect, then it would be better. But I, yeah, I, this, this is definitely me speaking to a degree of financial stability, uh, that I know I take for granted when I don't stop and think about it. But uh, this is this is the ambient noise episode, by the way. Yes, right. um, just get, you're going to hear a variety <laughs> of interesting things that we're playing from our sound effects <laughs> album uh, as we discuss things. But uh, but no, I I've I, I I've been able to sort of keep myself out of paycheck to paycheck mode for like 10, 12 years now. Um, like th- not that there's never been a month where I'm like, oh wait, should I? not buy this right now or should I do a swap route with a credit card to make sure that I don't like, you know, I've, I've had to watch Like I don't keep a ton of savings in my checking account, but I I'm like never in the, Oh shit. You know, it makes a difference if I get paid in the next two days sort of way. Cause I just, we've, we built up savings and we've kept it around. So like if it gets dicey, it's like, okay, well we'll pull some money out of savings and put it back into checking and, Right, um, right. I mean, it's one way to measure like how kind of comfy you are financially might be to 
just think about what's the biggest price tag on something that you don't have to check your bank account yeah. before you just say yes to yeah. it. And I remember, like, after a couple of raises, like, working at the store level for my company, um, I realized that I was, like, buying $10 and $15 pieces of software that I knew I needed um, without checking my bank account first. And I'm like, holy shit, that's, like, $15. <laughs> and, I mean, those aren't, like, <laughs> those aren't, like, recurring things I was just doing every week or whatever. But, like, a piece of software would come along and be like, oh, I need that to do this project I'm working on. And then I'd buy it. And I'd yeah. be like... You know, it's kind of like struck me like, you know, this is not that long ago. That would be like maybe next paycheck yeah. <laughs> a little thing. So, yeah. but of course there's always like, what you know, whatever, a $2 hamburger at the drive-thru is never going to be check your bank account first yeah. unless yeah, exactly. it is, I guess. But I've always kind of, while I've had a job, I've always at least been able to do spend $2 without checking. But then when that gets up to 15 or 20 bucks, it's just kind of like, whoa, that's actually kind of, you know, luxurious. I can, yeah. I can get used to this. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it is, it is a weird thing. And it's something that I, I sort of remind myself occasionally not to feel like, well, obviously the thing to do is just manage a healthy savings account so you don't have to, because it's like, well, <laughs> that's it's just that simple. Just, right, right. just, you know, have that much consistent income compared to your cost, you know? <laughs> all, you, all you have to do is like not have kids, not have any major medical expenses and get paid well and right. not have any major catastrophes. You know, it's like, it's that simple. Come the right. fuck on. Right. Why would anybody not do all of those things? <laughs> Obviously, you have insomnia? I'm doing it right. Have you tried sleeping? <laughs> you tried going to sleep? <laughs> well, maybe if you just cheer up, then you wouldn't be depressed. Yeah. You know, just think yeah. positive. Right. I think the secret is you really just, you need to have a more you know buoyant attitude is the trick, and then and then you won't feel so down in the dumps all the time. There, sure. I solved your your chronic depression. Oh, you. thanks. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> Perfect. I'm here to help. Uh, <laughs> do you, what do you want to talk about? I don't know. Um, well, um, how how much how I'm steadily losing interest in this beer. <laughs> Every podcast on my podcast player right now is about uh, Star Wars. Yeah, do you want to talk about Star Wars? And that's a lot of Star Wars talk that I don't. I mean, okay, so you, I do, do, I do, do you want to not talk about Star Wars? I don't know if I don't know if there's any new real ground to tread there. Let's, let's have a let's have like a two minute discussion. Oh, you have a here's here's what no one is talking about Star Wars is that holy shit every single store in fucking America is the Star Wars store right now. It doesn't matter how weird or esoteric or specific the store is. Yeah, I haven't I haven't seen a a retail assault like this since the last time Disney did something. Oh, right. Oh, right. This is better. This is worse than anything I've ever seen in my life. Ah, this no, is worse frozen than Frozen. Yes. Fucking... <laughs> I'm that you in there too. <laughs> <laughs> this is I mean, I I don't know. I mean, there's bags of oranges that are the BB-8 oranges at the grocery store. They're oranges. They're oranges at the grocery store. <laughs> And well, then I walk is, one to aisle be fair, down. He's round and orange. I walk one aisle down. Taco shells are Star Wars. I wonder. I wonder Star if Tostitos Wars taco is selling. Shells. I wonder if I could get like some Star Wars branded Tostitos cheese dip. How is that a tie-in? I, it's you just stick it on there. They're you taco stick it on there shells. And it's a tie -in. There's it's, a stormtrooper on it, and it says Star Wars taco shells from Del Mar. Well, or I mean, okay. Let, let me let, let me stop and sort of put this in and perspective. And then the next though. aisle is the Cheez Its, which I bought. Because they're Star Wars Cheez-Its, and they have Chewbacca on them. And that's adorable. And I love them. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. Well, but think, okay, so here's the thing. If we settle down to baseline merchandising, we see the same phenomena in the grocery store if you can be troubled to go look at the cereal aisle. Oh, like, sure. Like, even if literally Cereal's nothing had different. been... Well, but what I'm saying is it's interesting. Like, like it doesn't make any fucking sense for most of the things that show up on a cereal box to show up on a cereal box other than, like, well, kids like toys and put a toy on it. 
But like, you know, there's there is zero reason that like Frosted Flakes would have Star Wars on it. But you wouldn't blink if Star Wars was on Frosted Flakes. Like that's what it does. So it's just we're sort of like expanding the serial king's domain to the whole of the supermarket. He's he's made a bid for power. There's a coup d'etat and suddenly the serial king reigns supreme across the whole spectrum of uh, you know, grocery nations. I didn't even know that about the serial monarchy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's okay. he he lives inside of uh, a pallet of Lucky Charms was struck by lightning in 1973, and okay. ever since then, he's been uh, you know grasping uh, for more and more power in this earthly domain. Here's why I don't think that that holds up because it's the grocery store was just a random example. I went into a pet store today and. Fully twenty percent of the things that you can buy for your pets that don't, not including food, which is its own whole thing, are Star Wars. Well, themed. there are Star Wars kibble beds, is essentially bowls. pet cereal. There's there were toys for all, every type of. I mean, there was literally seventy or eighty separate Star Wars items spread across six or so aisles. We went. We uh, my partner and I were in uh, Idaho, and we went into a gas station. And next to like the hoof arted and gone fishing uh, beer cozies, there were Star Wars beer cozies Why just not? right in their not? own little, they had their own little display thing, beer cozies. Coors 3PO, man. And we bought those too. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm slowly filling my house with Star Wars stuff just because it's like, it's hard, it's easier to find something that has a Star Wars logo on it than doesn't have a Star Wars logo on it. Um, so, but you, you are yarn actually store, I went to a yarn <laughs> store in Montana and there was a section for Star Wars yarn. Is there like white and yellow hybrid skin? Yes. <laughs> And it was brand, it was official brand. Who may, who can possibly keep track of all this stuff? Who within Disney's job is it to keep to wrangle and quality control all this insane proliferation of this stuff? The stores I work for have a Star Wars section, which is just like Star Wars USB car charger, Star Wars whatever. I don't know. I mean, uh... explain <laughs> it to me. No, I, I mean, there's nothing to explain. I <laughs> guess just, yeah, I don't it's, know. It's, it's just thing, but it's like mind blowing. It really. I mean, like, I literally, my house is filling up with Star Wars stuff because it's closer than the thing that's not a Star Wars, right? I, it's easier I, I guess, to buy a Star Wars ba- box of Cheez-Its than it is to buy a non-Star Wars box of Cheez-Its. I guess I have to acknowledge, I really haven't, <laughs> like, bought much of anything hmm. uh, in the last, like, you know, few weeks along those lines. You know, it's like, I, I've been to the grocery store a few times. So it's like, I, you know, I went and got the stuff I needed mm-hmm. and, and I didn't really, like, examine the aisles. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't, like, bought stuff really aside from that mm-hmm. um so yeah i guess i haven't really been that thoroughly exposed to it i mm-hmm. i've definitely seen some stuff in passing but i haven't really given it a good look oh but, this uh, is this is where it cuts away to you walking into the bathroom looking in the mirror and realizing you're wearing a kylo ren mask this oh, whole no! time <laughs> i need i need the bottle opener because this beer isn't very good and i should drink more of it oh yeah you gotta you gotta yep. step it up a notch yep there you go. Is Somehow, that a, is that a break point, or do you have more Star Wars? Uh, you know, I thought it was a pretty good movie. Sure, uh, it was great. Yeah, so there we fine. go. Let's take a break. <laughs> Uh, 
No, we're that. just gonna jump right back into it. That's no not thinking. our style. Yeah, <laughs> thinking no. is. We're just gonna we're we're just gonna join mid exchange, uh, our studio audience. So I um, you know, you write a lot of music bits, like little musical Doritos. I've right? Been, I've been known to snack little snackable songs. Yeah. Of ones for one the purpose occasional or musical another. lunchable. Yeah. And in fact, earlier in the history of this show, you wrote a song for every positive review yes. that we got, which yes. was brilliant. And we exhausted our pool of four <laughs> listeners People willing, willing to, to uh, for write we, a positive review. We thank you again. Yeah, they were great. If, you, if you've continued to be a listener. <laughs> Here's, this is a weird thing. And this is a, um, I don't know why this bugs me, but it's bugged me for many years. When I was young and I thought, you know. One day I just assumed I was going to be a musician when I grew up, just as much as the day before I thought I'd be an astronaut. The day after I thought I would be a, I, I don't know, a famous painter. My worry was blowing a melody on the wrong thing. Because I it always seemed to me that there's a finite number of melodies in the world that are like, you know, musically appealing. And that if I had the best one, I would want to save it for the best project or application. Right. Because if I did it, I threw it away on some rinky-dink thing, then I would just be mad later when I needed a good melody and couldn't come up with one. But maybe that's a fundamental misunderstanding of how, like, songwriting works. It, you know, I don't. there's not really any specific set of rules is the thing. Because, like, I hear what you're saying. I totally hear what you're saying. And I've had that, that sort of I got to hold on to this for something better instinct in mm-hmm. a, a couple different creative domains. Probably music is where it's most likely to come up because that's where I've probably done the most creative work over the years. Sure. Um, but it is a weird thing. It's like, Oh, but I really want this to be for the, so you really like an idea and then you don't really have what feels like a worthy vehicle for it. Um, and yeah, so wanting to sort of hold off on like that is, is not a super weird instinct. I don't think, I don't think I've ultimately ended up doing a whole lot of that. If I have, I haven't done much of it in the last several years. Um, I think at some point I just sort of made my peace with the fact that, you know what, if I use something on a song and I decide the song's not very good, but I like the thing and I come up with something else better to do with it, who's going to fucking sue me? Like, you know, it's like I can't plagiarize myself. I can say, oh, I'm going to do something else with that idea and run with it. And, And that's totally legit. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, if there's something wrong with it, it's wrong on the level of some particularly a snooty critic having an issue with the idea of revisiting an idea. And that's like, you could have an interesting critical discussion about it, but at the same time, you know, it's go fucking wank, you know, that's like, you know, I'm going to make a thing and you can, you know, go screw if you have a problem with the process by which I made it. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's really actually a thing, but I think it's a thing that I understand the feeling on. Um, my friend, uh, Brian Rosendahl, uh, who was not with zero warning able to join us this evening. Uh, go figure. Uh, you, to, you might have to rephrase that sentence because it was very confusing. <laughs> uh, well, for the, okay. For the listener, we, I, 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 I texted my friend Brian uh, shortly earlier this evening to say, Hey, you want to be on a podcast with no notice on 
for no reason. Right. And he's he said, like, he yes, said, but I can't. He said, what's a podcast? first yes. of all? Yes, what's a podcast? I said podcast. Yes. Uh, and he was very and then confused. What did, and then what did you say? Uh, and I, I, I said, 20 bucks, same as town. <laughs> oh, um, yay. Yes, we strumbled in that direction once <laughs> we, I figured out what the hell was going on. We strumbled right in that direction. How many of these it's, any <laughs> beers have you had? <laughs> I, think, I think it turns out that like the alcohol and beer is what keeps me even nominally afloat during a podcast. <laughs> Like I really, I'm exhausting some basic facilities at a record rate because there's nothing to offset it. I think the, well, the alcohol. I I, I, sh- I mean, I should be clear that I expected you to be drinking a different thing while I sipped I, on I one. Think, and I think beer. after this one, I'm gonna. Okay. I think I'm. Yeah, I think that's probably the way it should go. Because whoo. Yeah. Yeah, it's really it's not it's not wearing well. Yeah. Uh, as I proceed into the second one. Um, <laughs> yeah. No. 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 Okay. So Brian, I'm barely halfway done with my first. Brian's a musician, and we started playing together like shortly after he moved to town, wow, ten, twelve years ago, something like that. And uh, we've been friends ever since, and we've been occasional musical collaborators uh, since then. Um, but he's been really at- consistently active as a musician playing out. He's he's done a, a tremendous amount of work. Really, he he went from being a pretty rough vocalist and an okay guitarist to being a really solid guitarist and a really good vocalist. Um, and it's been really great to watch him sort of improve and grow over time. And uh, he's also a songwriter and he writes great songs. Um, but I've known him the whole time and I go, you know, I see him play at least once or twice a year and he's always working on new material, but he's not like going out in crazy directions with it. He's like sort of more refining his songwriting style. Um, so I would say it's very different at this point than it was when I first met him, but it's not super different than it was six or seven years ago when he'd been working on it seriously for a few years. And so I've heard pieces of songs that I know really well from years ago in new songs that I don't know. And it's a thing where like I can say, oh, that's that's that thing you used that before. But I'm not like, fuck you use that before. I'm like, oh, hey, this is a different song. Oh, I recognize that bit. I know what you took that from. Hmm. Um, and you don't it, shout fuck you in his yeah, face. Yeah, I try not to. It's, <laughs> okay. it's, for those who don't go to shows much, you should know it's considered somewhat rude to mm-hmm. shout fuck you at someone while they're performing on stage, even if they're your friend. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, no, no. It's it's so it's been interesting to like sort of answer that question for myself by observing him and seeing how I feel about it. And it turns out I feel like, yeah, no, he's, he's working on his songwriting. You know, the only time it like bothers me in any way is it's not that he's doing it. It's that it reminds me of a song that I have a much more strong emotional attachment to. Cause it comes from like when we were playing together mm. and so I'm like, Oh, it's, Oh no, you're not doing that. That okay. old song that we used to play in 2005. So that I mean that's probably not happening by accident, right? That's kind of you're plumbing the same. Yeah, no, I, I, I think he's very much aware, and he I think that's for him. And not it just is. with him, but just in general. I mean, yeah. when that ha- when that happens, as it does. Yeah, well, and, and I think it depends from person to person. I think I think the thing is for him, he's comfortable with that idea, and he really thinks of songwriting as a process that involves a lot of like you know revisiting and repeating yeah, tools. Um, I, for all that I can get behind that and say, you know, that's totally decent. I basically never actually do that myself. Like I feel a little bit silly every once in a while when I sort of catch myself having accidentally repurposed, uh, sort of a, a chord structure or a melody with it, because for all that, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I still don't try to do it and kind of try not to do it. If I'm not specifically coming to something and say, you know what? I was unhappy with this. I want to reuse it. So most of the time I'm just sort of like trying to come up with something from scratch. Sure. sure. So then when I end up doing it, I'm like, oh shit, I just, I just wrote the same song again. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, the amazing Jonathan Mann who writes and records a song every single day and has yeah. for, oh, I think over 2000 days, 
Um, I thought you were going to talk point. about uh, the magician, comedian, the amazing Jonathan for a second there. And I was like, no, this is a swerve. They should. You know, you know a lot more about building up a, a comedy <laughs> magic stage show than I do, apparently. Um, yes. Jonathan Mann. Fantastic. It, 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 you know, I think I think a, a sharp ear can pick up like some of that kind of like iteration and recycling and cross pollinating between earlier things. But it's also like you listen to it like, of course. Right. I mean, how can yeah. that not be part of the thing? Um, yeah, my, generating my terror, literally thousands of songs. I think right. at a certain point you have to make your peace with the fact that, <laughs> right. you know, your musical vo- vocabulary is simultaneously limitless and, you know, very constrained to what is actually ready to hand in your brain. Sure. Sure. Yeah. And I don't think anyone holds it against them or would, but, um, I mean, my, I, I think that thinking back to what my panic about it, about my future as a musician that never came to be probably, <laughs> uh, to everyone's benefit, um, was that it seemed like you're if you care about not recreating a melody that's already been someone else's, if you care about not uh, accidentally cribbing from someone, uh, then you're already working in a really narrow channel because there's such a preponderance of music out there. And just even your normal person is conversant in hundreds or maybe thousands, at least hundreds of different melodies that they can recall and, 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 potentially create association to and recognize if you were to deliberately or not repurpose yeah. in your work. So it seems like it seemed like you to even write a melody that didn't remind you of something that you've already heard or wasn't like exactly hit, like nailing a thing that you've already heard a bunch of times already seemed like striking gold. Well, so I, maybe that was part of my mistaken assumption. Yeah, no, I, I think, I think the thing is like, there's a big difference between reminds you of something and exactly duplicates. And I think any musician who is writing songs or writing music, uh, is a lot more worried about literally duplicating than getting similar. I mean, I've written songs to intentionally sound sort of like something before because I wanted it to be, you know, in the style of that. Like I've done goofy uh, parody covers of stuff uh, and posted on Metafilter Music a bunch of times. Like I did that, uh, I, I did that, that, that Elvis cover of Hallelujah with parody lyrics. And that was a very straightforward, like, you know, parody. That was like, unambiguously this is supposed to sound like leonard cohen's hallelujah mm-hmm. except the words are different and the style's different sure or 88 lines about 44 me yeah and yeah and those like those that. are those are straight up parody covers but i've also done things that are more in the style i did a i did a bob dylan and the band cover of hallelujah where instead of changing the words or anything i kept the words the same but just made up a completely different arrangement for it uh with a different chord structure different melody and said hey what if maybe this was some Bob Dylan tune that he was knocking out in, you know, whatever year. Um, and that was something where it was like, no, the whole point of this is it's supposed to sound mm-hmm. like a Bob Dylan song. The melody should sound sort of Dylan-esque. The arrangement should sound Dylan-esque. I was not trying to find something new exactly, but I also wasn't just literally lifting a Dylan song. I was saying, okay, let's find this weird sort of middle ground territory. And that's, that's kind of an exceptional case. That's doing a very specific thing. Right. But I think that I I, never purely pictured that scenario. Yeah. Well, and and I think, I think that's an extreme case of the more general idea that's, you know, I think a lot of, once you've written a bunch of songs, you sort of start thinking more about uh, sort of the context of what you're writing. And you think about it in terms of stuff that means something to you musically and emotionally. And I think probably most musicians tend to start, incorporating a little bit more of that, not necessarily trying to literally sound like stuff that they're thinking about, but not at least worrying about that in the way that early on, I think in songwriting, it can, it can be easy to feel 
um, I want to use the word precious and I don't mean it in a dicky way because this mm-hmm. is very self-referential too, but it is easy to feel a little bit sort of like, like everything you do is a super important magical. You've got to be super careful mm-hmm. about it and it's got to be, you know, et cetera. I, I, uh, on a similar note, when I was starting out writing, I would, uh, oh geez, I, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm tip of tonguing, uh, mm-hmm. an example I was going to make, but basically I think I, I tried to sort of avoid learning by listening to other people's music. You know, I, I really, there was a period early on in my, you know, teens and, and, and a little bit into my early twenties when I was taking myself serious as a songwriter in a sort of like, I need to plumb my wild talent and become mm-hmm. the best songwriter I can sure, in sure. the most pure, isolated way I can. Um, and, you know, I was writing not very good songs, but at the time, you know, whatever. I was like, I was trying to discover how to do stuff myself. And so it would be totally untainted. And I didn't want to listen to other people's, you know, music that might be in the same territory as me. I didn't want to like, you know, read about songwriting. Whatever. I just wanted to fucking do it. I wanted to create it from scratch. Um, and I got over that eventually. I was like, oh, you know what? This is dumb. Hmm. There's been, you know, decades and more broadly speaking, you know, centuries of people writing really good music in all sorts of ways. I'm probably not that natural wild fucking talent who's going to like, you know, be at his best because he's completely uninfluenced by the entirety of musical history. Right. Um, And yeah, it's like, I think it's, it's sort of, it's a related idea. It's like that idea that you somehow have to protect the purity of the thing you're making because it's got some magical pure thing to it. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I don't think, I don't think it's that there is literally nothing to be said for taking sort of a wild un polished talent like like if you take you know interesting outsider artists and look at what they're making sometimes part of why it's interesting is because it's you know in some ways fundamentally naive it's it's unschooled it's unstudied it's just someone making art the way they know how because they don't know anything else about how to make art you know and and that can be interesting but at the same time I don't know a whole lot of stories about outsider artists who have really happy lives. So it's like, <laughs> darn, I want to, you know, I want to be, I want to be the next Wesley Willis. I want to be the, 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 the next, uh, what's his guy that I can't remember his name. I'm trying to say John Darnell. It's not John Darnell. <laughs> he's perfectly fine. But, uh, well, yeah, the outsider art is a, is a good touch point for this because that's, that's where my mind was going to, as you were talking and, and in the realm of painting, there's a strong kind of outsider art tradition and there's, uh, I mean, I guess it's not a tradition. That's kind of what defines it. But um, but there's there's a streak of that, and there's interest in that, and the art world is is always kind of fascinated by it. And um, I think it's really vital. I think it's vital to have that. I I th- I think that it's, uh, you build a culture around something, and it tends to kind of tend towards the gravitational center of the thing, and then it disappears in its own navel, and then it's like just a bunch of self-referential pop art that doesn't get anywhere. Yeah. Um. And and starts being art about art about art, and instead of art about the human condition or or things or or exploring unbridled exploration of new ways of communicating through a weird medium. Right? Want, it's a I, it's a fucking weird miracle that we can look at a thing and feel an emotion or hear a thing and feel an emotion. Yeah, right. That's like yeah. un- unbelievable to me yeah. when I think about it. But I'm not stoned. I didn't smoke a bowl before I got here. I'm not tripping out on my hands right now. But <laughs> the, the, it really is. Bexes, it's incredible. You know. And and I think that yeah, you you have to have you have to have that in, in, infusion of vitality and randomness and weirdness and stuff that. 
that um, is non-prescribed. But at the same time, I mean, you know, talking about how, how precious we can become about our own ideas and how perfect they should be, and especially in our teens, early 20s, I mean, speaking mostly for myself, but um, how, how, how we can just think that the most important thing in the world is that we bring it into this in bring our, our talent into the world in, in, uh, in the purest possible way, most sincere, earnest, uh, un, un tarnished like, way. Like Ernest goes to camp. Like exactly like Ernest goes to camp or Ernest scared stupid. Um, and it's tough because, you know, it's, that's, that's part of what's so addictive about the act of creation, especially around that age, is that you can spend all your time just kind of like fixating on how the, what, what philosophies about writing brought Hemingway to be Hemingway or brought Trent Reznor to be Trent Reznor or things like that. And just decide what you're going to adopt because you have to be this perfect vessel for this amazing thing that you're sure is going to change the world or whatever. And, uh, and it's, and as at the same time that you're also kind of like the allure of the starving artists, because it seems like there's a purity of purpose and sincerity to that too. (laughs) <laughs> it's embarrassing to cross-examine that now. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> yeah. embarrassing to, to myself um, because uh, because I still believe it. You know, it's still it's I still feel that way. And I, and I think that when I start out start out on a new project, especially if it's a new domain, like if I'm trying to uh, write a novel or something, and I haven't tried to write a novel before, it's even more of that. I feel even more self-satisfied about yeah. how perfectly I'm gonna bring this outsider's perspective and not learn from the, you know, histories of what's come before me and, uh, and, and revolutionize and, you know, I'll be the next whoever it's, it's like right before you scratch a lottery ticket, you're just like, you get to have that fantasy about what all that, what you're going to do with all that money. I'm about to be a millionaire. Yeah. I mean, I know I'm probably not, but I bought this lottery ticket so I could have this feeling right now before I scratch. You know what I mean? And And it's working on a creative project's really similar. Yeah. You, you know that you don't yet know that you're not. Mm -hmm. And I think, and, and you know, all power to the people who have that. And then they have the, the down swing after that, when they start to realize that it's very little work and very much pay or very much work and very little payoff. Yeah. Um, and power through and get to the point where they're doing creative work all the time. You know, I yeah. mean, that's the people we have had as guests on this show, I think are people who are on the far end of that. And that's always why I'm so fascinated about their process. Cause I feel like they made it through a trough that I w- haven't really made it through on any particular domain yet. Yeah. I mean, I think of myself as a creative person, but I have a lot of half started things to my name and, yeah. and not a lot of, I've been working on this for 10, you know, on this craft for 10 years and now I have 10 years of talent to show for it. Yeah. Um, so I don't know, I, I guess that's, is that my point? I don't know. Sure. That sounds like a good point. That sounds like a reasonably good point. <laughs> Uh, I'm at the point, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, where I think we should take a break and uh, I should go get myself uh, a properly alcoholic beverage. Sounds good. Uh, I, we, I struck a nerve in a good way. I don't know. Struck a vein, I guess, is the <laughs> analogy to make. Uh, touched a nerve. I touched a nerve. Touched a nerve. Yeah. yeah. Touched, I, I, touched, I think you, I think you you touched a nerve more than you struck a vein. Nerve you, touched by you're not, an you're angel. You're not injecting me with heroin or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I struck a vein. I thought I think I thought that was when you were blood. swinging a pickaxe and you strike a vein of a of a mineral. Oh, probably that, that too. But like if, if if you're gonna because you don't strike it when you well, jam your needle. Yeah, but you in your might arm. hit it. You're, you're you're sort of targeting it. That's like find a vein. 
I think yeah. you would, if well, you're shooting heroin, you find a vein. If you're picking, if you're playing Minecraft, you strike a vein. I guess, I guess. Although in Minecraft, well, I, I, I guess it's still a vein. The, the the blockiness of Minecraft makes it hard for me to think of a vein of minerals as a vein. Yeah, so much but it's a, still it still tends to be arranged. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I agree. I'm being needlessly pedantic there. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, uh, we were going to talk about a game called Idle Pause. I don't even know what that is. Um, uh, I'll show it to you. I'll I'll hand it over to you as I okay. describe it. All right. Um, it is a idle game. It's a what I prefer to call a clicker, except for in this case, there's a there's no clicking involved. Um, but it's a it's a it's an idle game. I've been playing it I'm off and fuck on. It up if I just jab no, at it randomly, no, I think you're fine. Okay. Um, it's it's it, so it, you, it, you don't look too bad yourself. Oh, <laughs> no a, one says that anymore, huh? That's yeah, 90s. Yeah, I know. Call someone fine. Yeah, we got to yeah. we got to come back to that. Oh, well, we'll bring it back. It, it, for now on, if please tell these coins to stop falling from the top because I cannot stop touching them when they fall. That, that's the way they work. So idle pause oh, is it. a it's an idle game for uh, the iPhone at least, maybe other stuff too. But I've got it on my iPhone. And it's it's like Cookie Clicker or oh, you know oh, various others wiggles when you touch it. Yeah, well, it's it's a cat petting simulator at its core in uh-huh. theory. Like you 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 swipe your finger back and forth across this cartoon pat cat, and it's like, oh, I like being petted. If you pet it long enough, it'll flop over, and you oh can gosh. rub its belly for like bonus coins, and then you use the coins to buy better cat toys, which cause it to produce more cat pets per second. Uh, which lets you earn more coins and sort of goes on from there. It's, it's a contentless, empty, empty game. It's like it's a classic of the degenerate form of the idle genre where you literally do one thing, you do it again and again and again, and the numbers keep going up while you buy things to let you make the numbers go up some more. Like it's there's nothing here. And I've been playing it for about a month um, which is nothing compared to my cookie clicker run back when that was new, but uh, yeah. But still, this is a much less good game than cookie clicker, <laughs> and I'm just sort of I'm sort of playing it because it is an idle game. It's one of those things where you can actively quote unquote play it, but you can also just sort of let it sit and it'll run in the background. And so I've been doing mostly that with the occasional furious bit of swiping my screen for an hour. Does the the it has to be running though? No, it doesn't have to be running. Like oh, it'll okay. it'll just it'll just check the clock and say, oh, how long is it? been since i was running and generate the but appropriate this cat will get coins. lonely if you get away from well it. that's a tricky thing i've been swiping on this screen ever since josh handed me the phone this yeah. game is fucking evil yeah it's uh it's it's a thing you know it's a thing and i i stopped playing clickers for a while i think I beginning of last back. year this is dangerous uh i think i pretty much declared that i was not going to play clickers anymore mm-hmm. uh sometime last year uh and i stuck with that uh, pretty good. I, I poked at the occasional experimental thing that someone would send my way, but uh, mostly I just sort of stopped. And I think I was much better off for it because I had gotten to the point where I was experimentally playing multiple different clickers at once and sort of slightly scheduling time around that. Because like, oh, but I, there's this this event I know is going to happen at like five thirty or so. I should be at my computer. That that's that's fucking like <laughs> that's 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 not dumb if you're planning for like a social event like. Like if you want to play a game together with some friends saying, oh, yeah, at 530, I should go play that game. Makes sense. It's like, oh, yeah, let's meet at the bar at six. Oh, hey, let's get lunch. You know, there's a time intruding on your life because of a thing you're doing with people or something like that. Um, but if you're doing it, it's like, oh, an arbitrary like program that for some reason was designed to run in real time and have time sensitive events is going to have one of those events. 
that will be meaningless, but I got to poke a button, then it's just like that fucking bunker from Lost. It's like, oh yeah, no, I should definitely press this button every 108 minutes or I'll die. Except instead of die, nothing will happen. Nothing at all will go wrong if you don't press that button. Well, you'll trigger a lockdown. Well, not in Lost, in the, you know, <laughs> son of a bitch. Anyway, the the the, the point is, I, I I got away from them because they were bad games and they were bad for me. Yeah, was what I decided. And they made you a bad person. Yes. Yeah. Well, they just made me a slightly dumb person <laughs> in specific ways. Uh, and and you you never got any further with the one you were making, the lumberjack one. No, I didn't. One. Yeah, no, okay. I ended up uh, getting to a certain point with that where the code was getting to be a real fucking mess. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was getting longish, and it was getting there was a lot of moving parts. And I had written all of those moving parts pretty quickly while teaching myself JavaScript. So it was a real fucking, yeah, I just like walked away from it and am probably better for it. Mm-hmm. As much as I broke a couple hearts from people who had been like actively following the development. Because <laughs> I was really actively developing it and yeah, yeah. up until the moment that I dropped it. Right. That um, was before um, g- generic genetic football. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. You know, and I think, I think what happened was I was working like crazy on... Uh, logarithms, the clicker I was building a couple years ago, that was the development time for that was a frantic three weeks or so of really active development. And that was not coincidentally the three weeks between when Matt basically said, okay, we're going to have to announce that things are bad at Metafilter. Mm -hmm. And when we actually sort of publicly announced the state of things. And in there, I just worked and worked and worked on this game and put a lot of Mm. nervous energy into it. Mm. And then the cat was out of the bag and all of a sudden I was putting like emotional energy into managing people's, you know, reception of the bad news. Right. And so I was like, Oh, this is, this is where my energy is going now. I really don't feel like frustratingly digging into an increasingly complex and messy pile of code uh, for this thing that I'm not sure where I'm going with it. You know, so yeah, it, was, it just sort of really collapsed out of the way that just never, right, never came back. Right, um, it's a, right. You offloaded so much emotional energy into it too that now it's sort of radioactive. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's <laughs> it's it's tricky that way because sure. it's like, oh, you know, I could come back to it, but I've thought about like playing with similar ideas. But taking a break from clickers really helped me stop and think about how much it is just a crappy game design. Like I still love and will always love cookie clicker mm-hmm. and might even ever play it again at some point. <laughs> um, I but had an Evernote uh, note with my cookie clicker save. I pointedly didn't it. save mine when I, so like either it will be in my browser history, you mm. know, somewhere or it won't. Right. And if I ever go back and, and yeah. yeah, and you know, I'll find out and there who knows. Um, it's just like lost. Yeah, <laughs> that's what's in the end of the hatch. Maybe the save game moved. Uh, yeah, maybe so, it's a nexus for energy the world over somehow or something. I never, I never, yeah, I never finished. We didn't watch the sixth season. At some point, we'll go back and watch it. But it's like when we went around to watch it, like a a year or two after we'd watched the previous ones, uh, it was we got like halfway through the first episode. We're like, what the fuck is going on? And I think that was kind of the idea, but like, we were both like, uh, yeah. And Angela's like, nah, let's watch something else. Uh, and now it's been several more years. So I feel like we should just like barrel through <laughs> sometime anyway. Sure. But, uh, but man, it's going to be rough. It's going to be like, I mean, there still has to be a bazillion, uh, you know, first five seasons, catch up YouTube 
things for you if you want to get a Ringstar. But you're definitely going to be like, you know, what the fuck is going on at first. And yeah. then at the end, if you're like most people, you'll be um, really disappointed. Or if you're like me, you'll think that there was actually really good parts of it. Well, good but to know. disappointed by other parts. You I'm, wanna, not, I'm, I'm more of an apologist for Lost than most, I you, think. You want to do a Lost rewatch podcast? No. Just like I episode just, no. by episode? Just I like, mean, I do. Like, yeah, that sounds really fun. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't uh, I don't have that kind of time right now. What's something I want to do with my partner is uh, read Infinite Jest and podcast as oh. we go. Read a certain number of pages or chapters or sections. That'd be fun. However, it's broken up. I've and, gotten uh, badly behind on the Dune book club. On wouldn't it be fun to of. do like a read along with a like if you wanted to read that book? If there's a podcast that like you just could little have little milestones like sure every two weeks you should be this much further in the book so you can catch up on the podcast i don't know i think that's fun sounds like a book club yeah it's a lot like a book club yeah um and i'm sure people have already done it and if they've done it with any book they've done it with infinite chess so what the fuck but i uh it to harken be- back to what we were talking about before i'm just not going to go and find out what other people have done i'm just yeah, going to do it yeah. myself just do a thing because you want to do it yeah you know, it seems like a good plan so uh we'll see, we'll see if i can uh muster that up um and our uh Metal Gear Solid replay podcast. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Which I haven't totally ruled out on my side. I don't know That's, about it's, you. But it's not impossible. We yeah. could uh, we could seriously take a look at it. Might be in the mood for it. There's going to be a lot of games coming out, so I'm not yeah. sure when I'm going to have the patience for it. But uh, yeah, it might happen. Uh, anyway, in summary, I don't I don't know why I actually really wanted to talk about Idle Pause because the the whole story here is that it's a piece of shit. But <laughs> you can pet a kitty. You can pet a kitty. You can pet a kitty. Uh, I don't, yeah. What is it? I don't know. Is it? <sighs> I mean, is there something wired into our brains that like when we see a little coin on the screen and we tap it and it disappears, um, that it scratches an itch? Or is it because the coolest thing in the world when we were at a particular age was Mario Brothers and you picked up coins and then that just it has this Pavlovian response? I don't now? think it's anything coin specific. I think it's I think it's a more fundamental sort of Skinner box thing. Like there's something if you're trained a little bit to have sort of reward, like I think if I think if all we had were games where coins fell from the screen that you touched them and disappeared, mm-hmm. it wouldn't have that hook. It's literally that they have the good sense in a game design terms to give you something for having done so. Like more than just the number going up. Like mm-hmm. a, a game that was literally, you get a point every time you touch a coin. Coins keep falling. You get a point every time you touch one. No mm-hmm. one would be into that. But if you didn't take those coins and put them back into the game in a way that changes something or earns you something or gives you an excuse to think a little bit about when and how to press it, all of a sudden you've got a system and systems are interesting. And, you know, reward for behavior is a really atomic thing in our brains. Yeah. Like, you know, like that's something that's very exploitable. Um, so yeah, I don't think it's anything about the coins. I, I, I think there's a little bit of like reinforcement over a lifetime of playing games probably there. But I think at the same time, the same behavior can be produced in any number of ways. Like, yeah, you know. it's just weird. It's weird that there's. I mean, I guess part of it is that that once you have a visual dialect you can tap into, you can just do that, and then all yeah. games end up being the same. But every game has the coins, and every game has the little blue gems that are like time locked things, or you can buy more <laughs> gems. Well, or I you think, can buy the big uh, burlap bag of gems for forty nine ninety nine, and they just yeah. all seem to use the exact same metaphors. I think I think that's that that's that's something a little bit more specific to the like the basically free to play in app purchase genre, yeah. where that's just like there is so much outright theft and cloning and repetition there of all the little details, you know, that it's not shocking that you see the same fucking thing in all of them. Cause they're all just saying, Oh, Hey, let's do that thing that someone made a lot of money off of. Right. Maybe we can make money off it too. I was, right. Maybe I'll make the exact same game, but call it, um, flappy 
Warcraft bird. <laughs> yep. Gears of Iron Age adventure. You know, you know I want to mention Sonic Mario. A, a good game, actually, that uh-huh. I've played. The one I recently. just described? Yes, that one. I wanted to mention that one, but you beat me to it. No, I, Flappy Birds War Adventure Sonic Mario? Yeah. <laughs> no, just, uh, just a little puzzle game that I've really been enjoying, and I need to go back and finish the last couple levels of still. A game called Square Cells. Mm-hmm. Um, recently released by a guy who's previously made three puzzle games that I very much liked in a series called Hex Cells. Okay. Um, and these are just very simple Spartan puzzle games using uh, grids of shapes and then like various numeric hints attached to those shapes to solve, you know, inferential logic puzzles. Like you figure out that, oh, because this number here and that number here, this square must be empty. And so you empty it out and then you get a little bit more information because of that being empty and you can sort of repeat. So it's Josh, that's Minesweeper. You're just playing Minesweeper. It's no, it's, it's legitimately, there's a touch of Minesweeper there. There's a touch of sort of Sudoku type logic. Hmm. Um, What, what he actually specifically hex cells, the previous one, which used hexagons as the cells really plays like a cross between Minesweeper and uh, P-Cross or Nonograms, um, another puzzle game that I very, very much like. Uh, there's a, Nintendo has put, put out a bunch of P-Cross or Picross, I guess. Mm-hmm. It's like a crossword puzzle with pictures. The conceit with huh. Picross is you sort I've of... I've seen the word, but I never yeah, knew what it was. It's, it, it's, it's a game where you sort of use number hints to figure out which tiles are empty and which are full, and you steadily work away. And at the end, when you've solved it, there's also a little pixely picture of something. So it's a nice <laughs> it's a nice gimmick. Um, so Picross is a lot of fun, and there's a shitload of Picross games available. <laughs> so if you own like a, 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 a Wii U or a, a DS of any sort, you can go buy one in the store for five bucks. Totally worth checking out because if you don't like it you're out five bucks if you sure. do like it you'll fucking love it um so for historical purposes i have to mention that josh is uh not even sure he realized he was doing it sign language for a picture of something is he holds up an imaginary slice of watermelon to his face and moves it around <laughs> i was <laughs> like <laughs> i was not aware i was doing that this bex man i should say now i'm now i'm drinking some some art bag uh to wash the taste as thoroughly as possible out of my mouth <laughs> It's not like like awful. It doesn't taste like rotten. Well, no, it's, it's not, it's not like, vile. It's just not good. It's just weak sauce. As I've gotten less thirsty and it's gotten less cold, it's definitely taken a turn for the worse in terms yeah, of flavor just, profile. Uh, it just doesn't taste, you know. But yeah, so 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 Picross is a neat game. Mm-hmm. Minesweeper is a game that a whole lot of people have played. Although I kind of wonder if that's going to sort of fall by the wayside as the generations continue. Does Minesweeper getting played on Windows boxes? Is that still a thing? Like do people the, the do last much thing I, the last thing I knew about Minesweeper was there was some version of Windows that shipped with Minesweeper, uh, retooled as a free to play game. Oh wow! Where you could like pay wow. for in app unlocks, and it was funny because of course like two years earlier, because Minesweeper is so ubiquitous, it's just like a good template for jokes about video games. Yeah, people had made that exact <laughs> joke. Uh, and then everyone was just like, it's just like when an onion headline yeah. suddenly becomes the whole fuck it, we're doing five true. blades. Yeah. Thing. yeah. And you're just, uh, well, I, yeah, that's wow. That's amazing. Life imitates art. Well, the idea behind Minesweeper is good. You know, Minesweeper mm-hmm. as a game is not great just because it's, it, it's not packaged super well, but, uh, but, but you know, it's still, it's, it's a logic puzzle. It is. Um, it, it, it 
I don't know. I mean, Minesweeper is one of the game, first games that I really, my brain really went to work on figuring out systematically how yeah. it worked as a game. And I just got to a certain point where I was, I decided there's no perfect system because in certain layouts, there's always going to be coin flip choices you have to make. Yeah. And so it's not a perfect game. And so now I'm upset because of my weird obsessive mind. Yeah. And getting started is, is always kind of a crapshoot. And yeah, mm-hmm. you can end up with those positions. There's a variety of positions where you just have to guess. And that's, mm-hmm. that's a shitty thing, you know what I'm saying? And it's fine because that's just the game it is. But for of a game course, that's about right. logic, like, it's... Plenty of great games have elements of chance, right? Yeah. It just, it just bugs like me a, because a I always game. approached like, it as a game that I could completely solve yeah. given enough time. And the but thing then is, when like, I you can, I couldn't, you can refactor a game like that in such a way to make it so sure. that it is always solvable. Sure. And, so, so, and did you know this? Um, your first click is never a bomb. Yes. 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 It will actually just rotate the matrix to have not a bomb be mm-hmm. wherever you clicked, which is nice of them. But it's it's. Uh, can we call know. this episode "Rotate the Matrix to Have Not a Bomb Be"? <laughs> if you can remember, <laughs> sure. <laughs> when you're editing it, you're in charge. So 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 the Hexels games came out over the cool. last couple of years, and they good? are sort of Picross meets Minesweeper, and they're mm-hmm. great and they're fair. Mm-hmm. In that sense, you would find them satisfying. I think oh, you cool. actually. I, I think you should really try these games. Actually. Yeah. Um, you specifically, even. I mean, the audience too, but you, Jesse, sure. should grab a I'll copy of Hexels um, because it's it's a really satisfying, really nice. Like every puzzle is well constructed, and there's a variety of sort of attacks you have to take to it, and puzzle shapes and sizes that he uses. It's really good. Guy who makes is a great puzzle designer, um, and he has more recently put out uh, what is hopefully the first in a small series as well of games called Square Cells. Um, which has a similar sort of vibe, but it's uh, more like Picross meets a game called Nurikabe, which is a puzzle I've really enjoyed in the last couple of years. That's another sort of inferential, you know, Sudoku-like thing, S- or Sudoku, S- Sudoku, right. Uh, <laughs> there's There's got to be a good study out there on variations of the spelling of that based on people's various vowel substitutions. Um, but, but it's, it's, it's a square grid and, uh, Nurikabe is interesting because what you get is various numbers in an otherwise unmarked square grid. Some of the tiles have numbers on them and the number represents how many contiguous tiles there will be attached to that one. So if there was a tile with a one on it, you actually know that like the tiles above, below, left and right of it are not full tiles because if they were any of them, then there would be more than one tile in that set. So you could right. like, you can sort of like block off a one right away. Whereas if there's a tile with a two, and you're not talking you know, about straight rows or columns, but like clumps. Yeah. How yeah. Many yeah. Are yeah. So, so it could sort of clump. It could wander, okay. you know? Yeah. Sure. Um, so it's, it's a simple enough idea and it creates really interesting puzzles when they're well-designed or cool. really so-so puzzles when they're sort of randomly generated. Um, so square cells is nice because it, is sort of a combination of that and another couple of puzzle ideas in a way that creates really interesting possibilities. And then all the puzzles are really carefully hand designed. So mm-hmm. they're really, you, you're forced to learn to think about all the available information in uh, some really interesting ways. And I've really enjoyed playing it and I, I, I need to finish it up. It's one of those things where like the first few levels fly by and then after that they start to get a little bit harder. And then like the last six are all, this is going to take me an hour sort of things. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure there's people it's going to take five minutes for, but I'm a little bit, you know, slower at my puzzling. Uh, but it's really great. So Square Cells, Hex Cells, these cool. are both great, great, great puzzle games. 
Dig um, it. And they're like, you know, two, three bucks a piece on Steam. So go get them. Okay. That's been Josh's Game Corner. <laughs> fucking get these games, damn it. Play some fucking puzzles. <laughs> get some fucking puzzles under your belt. Uh, Nevin Morgan released a follow-up to his wonderful game, Black Bar. Did you ever play Black no, Bar? No, I didn't, but I heard about it. He released a follow-up to it that's a in-universe kind of prequel. Your, inter- mode, your interaction mode with it is kind of similar in that you're kind of deciding what words go where uh, to string together a coherent sentence. But it's also really different. It's a big departure, and it simulates kind of the sense of... And there's a word for it, and I feel really stupid because I've forgotten the word, but the sense of the word being on the tip of your tongue, but you oh. can't quite figure out what it is. Yeah, what is the word for that? I almost, and there's a, you know, you know, yeah. there's a uh, psychological condition of related to that that can be, you know... Uh, uh, something you're born with or something that's induced by head trauma or what, you know, various different things. And the game plays with that in that, and that you have kind of a matrix of words that you can use to put together contextually appropriate sentences. And the game knows what is going to make sense and what won't. And you kind of have to figure out what you're trying to say. And it's a really, really interesting experience. Interesting. Um, the music is really subtle, but it's still like the game rewards kind of like losing yourself in it. So put in headphones and just kind of go into it. I liked it. I like Black Bar 2, his first game, but uh, I think of the two, I kind of like this one even better. So gray out. Let me, should I should probably triple check that that's, no. yeah, gray out, one word. Highly recommended. Cool. And, uh, you know, you, you'll, you'll get through it in a, in a short evening. Yeah. And uh, and I think you'll really enjoy it. Did you ever pay, did you ever play Papers, Please? Did we no, talk we talked about for, oh, okay. quite a bit about okay. it. Um, well, let's not do that again. But I'm uh, looking forward to it. I have not. Yeah, no, I, I'm really I curious. Have to what put you think another 200 hours into Metal Gear Solid Five <laughs> instead of like. <laughs> Are you still playing it? Are you still experiencing 200 games that yeah. I could have in the same amount of time? I am still playing it. Yeah, right. Speaking of the Skinnerbox shit, you yeah. for logging in every day, you get a coin bonus, yeah, right? And then I, those I, coins, you know, you could buy them, or you can just log in every day for a certain amount of time, I, check on your base and see if it's been attacked, counterattack if you want, bloody, bloody, bloody. I bloody. found beating the narrative of the game really helped me get away from mm-hmm. buying into that. Uh, right, because it upset you so much. Well, yeah, that. <laughs> but also, I don't know, there's something about beating a game that just changes my relationship with the ongoing sort of systems in it. Mm-hmm. Like, I played Fallout 4, um, and I played that a bunch. You know, I, I put, like, easily upwards of 100 hours into it. I had a great time romping around, doing all sorts of exploration and doing repeating fetch quests that were kind of dumb, but it's like, whatever, I'll go do it anyway. And, like, I had a lot sort of going on, and then I went ahead and finished the narrative, and then it turned out, as always happens in these games, I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm done. Sure. You know, I'm not going to go back and track down those weird little side quests. I was, to some extent, doing those to put off getting around to beating the narrative. Right, right. Partly because right. I knew once I got there, I was like, oh, okay, well, that's that sort of, like, killed the fundamental remaining mystery of the game. Sure. I'm st- and I'm still having fun with Metal Gear. I think that it's there's... Um kind of like higher levels of play when you get into the uh, counter infiltration stuff with other people's bases. Oh, and sure. Stuff. Yeah. And I really haven't done much of that at all. It's, so. I think it's cool. Um, it's also frustrating though. You know, <laughs> a, a single player, a game, one of the things I like about it is that it just completely panders to me and I can just win 99% of the time that I'm in, in a altercation yeah. when it's uh, two people against each other. Obviously it's going to be a lot closer yeah. to 50, 50, or if you suck, like <laughs> I have until quite recently, less than 50% of the time, are you going to be happy about the outcome of a interaction so um so but also you know it's it feels rewarding to actually get better at something right so um 
even if it's a trivial nonsense thing like that. But um, when you say you beat it, did you beat through the storyline or did you beat through mission 50? There's those last few missions oh, that are replays of earlier missions. Yeah, no, I, I, the storyline. I, I, okay. I beat some of the chapter two repeat missions, but mm-hmm. I also was like, I, I think the timing wise, like I was really enjoying the game and I was enjoying doing challenging stuff, mm-hmm. but I also had discovered there were some of the challenges I liked and some I didn't. So yeah. like, I, I went down and tracked down every fucking armored unit and took them out silently by hand, mm-hmm. uh, you know, non, non lethally and, and, uh, goaded them up to my base. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and those like, those are kind of a pain in the ass, but I sort of like had a sense of how to approach them and how to problem solve in real time when they went hairy. Mm-hmm. And so I enjoyed that. But the things like ride your horse around to try and blow up as many armored vehicles as you can in a fixed window of time, mm. I actually find that mission type really fucking stressful. Mm. Like I'm just like optimizing. This is going to be difficult and I know it could be optimized and I'm failing to optimize it. And I'm just unhappy with the situation. Like I was glad that there was like two of those in the actual plot story because sure. I was like, I'm not into this. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I don't enjoy this process. Um, and there were a couple other things in the, those repeat missions. It was like, I, this just yeah. doesn't sound like fun to me. Yes. And something I was better at when I was younger um, is continuing to ram my head against a problem by solving, trying to solve it the same way I've solved other problems within the same game system. Either like that gets so frustrating I give up or I can just go back, just wipe out my whole loadout. Like, okay, what if I just were to do this exactly the opposite the way I'm trying to do yeah. it or try a new thing or something like that? Um, most games I do the former. I get frustrated uh, Metal Gear, I have such like a lifetime investment in the systems of, <laughs> and so, like such a earned or not, probably I figure earned faith that w- the act of discovering the right, the a better way of doing it is going to be rewarding enough. Yeah. It's gonna be worth the pain in the ass. Yeah. Um, that I that I like finding a mission that I really suck at. Yeah, well, because I, there's just the one put the stealthiest suit on, crouch walk around, and tranquilize pistol everyone, sure. and that's the whole game. If you let it be, except there's a couple of missions that that's just not going to be yeah. a, a feasible option. And <laughs> that's I can, what I did about 200 hours of Right. Uh, you know, I don't know. Challenge, I think it's challenge really your skill set is a neat thing to have yeah. a game do. And it's it's I, I think Metal Gear 5 is interesting for how much it has the ability to do that. So it's really neat. But we need to not talk about it for yeah. 20 minutes. Last again. thing about Metal Gear 5. <laughs> No, I don't know. I'll save it for another. I've time. been playing. I've been playing Rocket League. As I think you joked on Mike about. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, we um, talked about that a teeny bit last time. Yeah, it, it, it continues to be a good game. Mm-hmm. It's I, I I endorse driving around playing soccer with cars, um, and it's interesting that like that has a very sort of develop your skill set angle to it that I'm still very much in the process of doing. But mm-hmm. I feel like I'm getting to the point where I'm kind of good. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not good, but I'm I'm better than an average random person playing. Uh, I can beat the tar out of like an actual rookie. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've been trying to play, they've got a ranked mode where you can actually try and climb up multiplayer competitive ranked things based on mm-hmm. wins and losses. Right, Latin. And I'm having a terrible time with it. Mm. And the thing is, I think I'm having a terrible time partly because I'm getting bad luck and because I'm playing in low ranked matches because I'm low ranked, I'm getting on average low ranked players and they're just super fucking unreliable as teammates. They don't play defense well. They don't know when to go for an attack. They just drive like crazy. They start in the goalie position <laughs> and then race away from the goal. And then the other team just knocks it right in for an easy point. So shit like that drives me crazy. Like you people are terrible at this hmm. game. And so I keep losing matches because I'm on your team. But at the same time, if I'm such hot shit 
and I'm playing against low ranked teams. Why am I not, you know, just changing the equation myself? Right. And so like, I'm, I'm trying to suss out how much of it is. It's just hard to get anywhere with a shitty team. And how much of it is. I I think that's legit though. I mean, I, something you learn from playing a lot of poker with a lot of people is that if there's one person at the table who sucks at poker, they're going to lose. If there are five people at the table who suck at poker and you and you're good, you're going to lose. Yeah. Because there's no predicting. Yeah, you there's can't no read them. right. And it, it, you can't figure out a system for how to play the game against people who play it randomly. Yeah. And so you're just going to lose your money yeah. um, because they, they may be trying to make money, but they do not know how to. <laughs> yep. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, I can imagine that being the case that if if the average skill level of your team and the other team went up, that that you would tend to win more. That's what I suspect. I, I feel like I would probably win more even as a less strong contributor to the mm-hmm. team because like I lose a lot of games where I'm carrying the team. I lose games where like I score three points and nobody on my team scores any other points. And they were never in a position to do so in the first place. <laughs> right. But the other team scores like five goals because right. they never fucking sit in the goal. And we right. aren't going to make any points if I sit back in the goal and try and run defense. And sure. uh, it's it's weird. It's weird because I really enjoy Rocket League and it's a fun, goofy game. And when I'm not playing ranked, I t- kind of don't give a shit if people are terrible. But like suddenly you throw that ranking system in there and it matters that the guy I'm playing with is an idiot. Right. Whereas otherwise I'd be like, whatever, you know, so we lost the game. You know, I still had fun. <laughs> Uh, so I don't know how I feel about that. I, right. I don't so know it takes if the I, fun out is what you're saying. Well, no, not exactly, but it does add a, a, a kind of stress in that I don't particularly like. Like mm. I like being invested. I like I like you know feeling tense about the outcome. And so a good close game that's ranked that's played reasonably well, I like even if we lose it. Like I'm, it's a bummer that I lost some rank points, but if it was a good game, it's a good game. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, a little bit of stakes. Yeah, but but when there's stakes. And fucking idiocy. Then that's like, ah, <laughs> oh, Jesus. Like, yeah. <laughs> then you're at Applebee's. <laughs> um, uh, did you, uh, <laughs> you like that one? I did. <laughs> I almost uh, said Outback, but then it seemed like the steak thing Applebee's was too is obvious. Funnier. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you borrowed The Last of Us from me? Have you started that? Yeah, started. Haven't, okay. haven't, haven't gotten haven't finished haven't i don't think even gotten like halfway through made some progress played it a few nights but (coughs) you know it turns out that i really fucking don't like shooting in that game Hmm. and it's not a game where i'm good enough at being stealthy that i can avoid having to shoot Mm -hmm. setting aside even the occasional set piece where i don't get a choice right like there's the occasional sort of mini boss ambush where you're just gonna have to have a big weird complicated gunfight and i just really don't like it i really don't like the I mean, I don't like shooters on consoles in general. Like, mm-hmm. it's the exception where I'm, like, happy to be shooting stuff with a controller. Like, I really want a mouse and keyboard, and I want it to be designed as, like, a shooter if I'm mm-hmm. going to do that. Um, and Last of Us is not that, and it's not really satisfying or a good feeling or matching my shooting style gameplay mm-hmm. on that front. So I like I like everything else about it. And I kind of want to get into some sort of weird no violence mode where Mm. like, you know, all the violent altercations or at least most of them, all the, all the, you know, space filling shooting repetition stuff. If that could just like turn into cinematics and then I just did the parts that were the exploration and sort of like the platform puzzling Mm -hmm. and the interactions with people and some of the stealth stuff, 
I'd be so much more happy with it. Sure. Um, I spent a long time with Uncharted 1, 2, and 3 before The Last of Us came, or, you know, before I got it. And um, Uncharted was a game that took me a long time to get a grip on the shooting mechanics, but I had that kind of, like, moment where it clicked eventually. Yeah. But it took a while. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Last of Us, same developer. Um, it's pretty, in some ways, as I recall, pretty similarly like not quite how you want it to work at first yeah. and you just kind of have to have that moment where it clicks or maybe you just don't ever have that moment yeah see i turn it down to easy and put on like auto aim just yeah. to try and take just some of the pain progress. off and it's still yeah. and it's still it's like and I, I can make forward progress but it's just like it's stressful in an unfun way to mm-hmm. do it. like it's like i i think of the game and i think of all the sort of unsatisfying shooting i'm gonna have to do in it like hmm. if i was better at being stealthy in the game Hmm. And it was really just a set pieces I ever had to do it. That'd be great. But it's not a game that I'm like feeling particularly good about being stealthy at mm-hmm. either. I've been playing uh, Dishonored. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever played that. Oh, There's yeah. a Yeah. So I've been playing the DLC for that. Actually, I picked those up finally to play through them because I did a sort of murdery run through the game, the main game itself, just to see what that's like compared to the very sneaky run I did back when it first came out. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a sneaky game that I really enjoy. And Metal Gear 5 sneaky game I really enjoy you know so I I dig stealth when it clicks for me and I'm not quite feeling it with Last of Us either which is a shame because I feel like if I could get really on board with that then my complaints about the gunplay stuff would be significantly ameliorated Mm -hmm. but I just feel like a clumsy obvious doof who gets in like the the worst part is like I'll sneak like three quarters of the way through a segment Mm -hmm. and then I'll fuck something up and then I just have to fucking kill everyone (laughs) anyway and it's like this is not uh, so, so it's weird. I really like a lot about the game, but I have not finished it because I haven't really felt like sitting down and doing that more. So I don't know. We'll see. I'll probably mm. get back to it. Okay. But, uh, but yeah, for now it's on hold. Sure. Sure. I've, um, I went back to an old game that I'd always wanted to try out called, uh, beyond beyond two souls. It's the mm. one that has, um, it, it was. It came out around the same time as The Last of Us, uh, and it's from Quantic Dream, who made Heavy Rain. Oh, there's kind of they're really into this idea of making less like twitchy, like you know, shooty games with that type of mechanic, and more like playable movies is yeah, probably yeah. the the simplest way of putting it. Big emphasis on tolerating uh, a lot of failure. So it's like it's not so much get this puzzle right or you die and do it again so much as get this puzzle right and the outcome will be slightly more positive. Yeah, or it'll go a different direction and stuff. I mean, yeah. one of the interesting things about their first game, um, uh, Heavy Rain, is that you're switching between four different characters that you're controlling. As Heavy Rain a, was not their first game. Was Oh, that's right. No, Indigo right. Prophecy Indigo slash Prophecy. whatever the name was in Europe that was, I think, better than Indigo Prophecy. <laughs> Heavy Rain was very much sort of like a follow-up to that that was sort of refining some of the same ideas. Sure. There. Um, and I think it was a much bigger seller. And it's like a movie that cuts between four different people's stories that are all interwoven and things like that. And yeah. controlling the different people, sometimes there's different mechanics. This one guy has a is like a near future investigator, and he has like this magic glasses that highlight things and bloody blah blah. Yeah. blah. Um, but that you you can make a decision where your character dies, and then the game just progresses. Yeah. That character just has in the story of the game that you're telling, that character died at that point when that happened, yep. and the rest of the game. Um, reflects that like characters, you know, refer to that person in the past tense and things like that. And uh, outcomes of the story, it's obviously can diverge pretty wildly, and it's pretty interesting in that way. Um, but you have to be, you know, ready for a game where it's a lot of like contextual, just like 
button presses, quick time events type stuff, yeah. or that, you know, in some cases, interesting new usages of the controller to kind of contort your hand in a way because your character kind of has to hold a weird contorted position or something. Yeah, Timing yeah. stuff is sometimes good. Turning but, doorknobs by literally sort of slowly <laughs> rotating a joypad. Right. You know. um, and some of that is really, right some right. of that can be done really well in, in a way that's really engaging and engrossing. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, you, it's, it's not, you know, popping around a corner and, and squeezing off a couple shots to, from your gun or whatever type yeah. of story. Um, anyways, Beyond Two Souls was a follow-up to that. It came around the same time as The Last of Us, and it was it got a little bit of a kerfluffle because The Last of Us, the younger girl, is so clearly based on Ellen Page. Yeah. Um, and but not and they didn't like license her or like whatever yeah, pay for her a, likeness. It's, it's a very Ellen Page-ish character. Yeah, pretty pretty hard to avoid. And it, in the meantime, Ellen Page is actually working on Beyond. Um, I guess I remember this now. And, yeah, I you know, her likeness, of course, is incredible because these games are, are are built around this idea of a high fidelity movie like environment and characters. Yeah, with super like amazing motion capture in the face, especially and stuff like that. But it's her and Willem Dafoe are, are two like actors who are acting and emoting in this game, and it's really interesting. Yeah, um, and it breaks away a little bit from the um, heavy rain kind of so quick time event heavy thing and gets a little bit more into a new mechanic whereby you can control kind of a, a spiritual projection of the character that can move around freely in three-dimensional space and interact with things uh, using like whatever magic spirit energy has. Yeah, sure, and, yeah. um, but it's, but it's cool. It's cool to see really um, a developer really swing for the fences with a different type of game. Um, I think it's more successful than heavy rain and I liked heavy rain. Yeah. Uh, I haven't finished it, so it, maybe it's really disappointing by the end. <laughs> it's not. It's not perfect, um, but uh, I think it's. I think it's interesting. Yeah. No, I, I had forgotten about that, and I, I, I'd forgotten the connection. I knew of that game. I'd seen some trailers for it, but I'd forgotten that it was Quantic Dream. Mm-hmm. So no, that's interesting. I'll have to check that out some. Point. Yeah, and the, um, if you have a PlayStation, the demo is free on PlayStation Network. Oh, and nice. that's that's what gave me a taste of it. But you know, I, uh, I bet Quantic Dream more than anybody. Like more more than probably most other established developers is probably fucking stoked for VR to really take mm, off. Cause that seems yeah. like the, the ultimate like place for them to go with their whole obsession with like sort of interacting with the environment in a quasi naturalistic way. Mm-hmm. So if they get to the point where you can actually like look around and reach out and turn a doorknob with a controller, that's like, that's their whole shit right there. <laughs> Like if they could remake Individual right. Prophecy so you'd have to navigate the bathroom and clean up the <laughs> bloody remains of someone's corpse that you've suddenly encountered right? Uh, by actually moving the mop with your hands. Oh, man, <laughs> they will be excited about that. Uh, right. The, the other thing, the other thing <laughs> beyond dodges is, I mean, the first like 45 minutes at least of uh, Heavy Rain are just plodding around your house in your underwear. Yep. Like just doing that, opening doorknobs, brushing your teeth, checking in on the bird, yep. like playing with your kid. And, you know, I can see the justification for it, but it's a hard sell on someone. It's a slow start. Yeah. Uh, Beyond is kind of does a nonlinear thing and kind of hops around the story a lot. And I think yeah. it's more successful that way. Um, we're probably wildly overdue for a break. Yeah, no, I th- I think I think we maybe do we we could probably call it. We're I about think an you're hour probably. and a half in. So okay. why, why don't we why don't we yeah, call this great. good after this impromptu lengthy video game chatter? I think that because every one of our episodes turns into the video game chat at the end, we should probably have some kind of little stinger. 
Not stinger. Yeah, Stinger's no, at the end. A sting? We want to, yeah, we want a little bumper for it. Uh, yeah. And uh, like, hey, everybody. <laughs> you hate you video games? Turn it off now. It's, that was our show. That was the show. Yep. Now we just talk about video games. Yep. I'm also. Nothing I, but video games beyond here. I'm at this late date worried that I might have your level a little bit too high, but we'll find out. I've sort of been yelling more. Well, I, yeah, but I, I, I think I've just got you up. Is the, oh, that's is okay. The, is the thing. Anyway, uh, <laughs> on that on that firm, solid, confident note, we'll call it good. Uh, and yeah. All right. Uh, well, how about we stop recording? <laughs> <laughs>